All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 34th year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com, or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. As we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just past, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up about 283 points, or nine-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was down about eight points, or two-tenths of 1%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 208 points, or 1.9%. Now, for the year-to-date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 8.6%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is down 19.3%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is down 32.9%. Well, thank you, Jeff. Well, I want... I want to do a little bit of housekeeping with this being the Christmas Eve Money Wise program. And part of that housekeeping for any longtime listeners, voice sounds a little bit different. I'm battling a head cold. Jeff is battling a little bit of uh, winter illness himself. Joe, you're the only healthy one of the three. But we're going to battle through because we needed to bring that new Money Wise program on this Christmas Eve 2022. So when you're doing your shopping on Christmas Eve, if you're out shopping, think of us. We're going to work for you. We're, we're going to work for you. That's right. Inform we, you, make you a better investor. Absolutely, because we've so got to. So next year you'll have a lot more money to spend during Christmas. So That's that right. That's exactly right. We have to recap the happenings of this past week on Wall Street because there was quite a bit of activity, even though we're coming into you know this being the second to last trading week for 2022. I'm ready to put this year in the rearview mirror. And I would prefer not to revisit it for the rest of my career as an asset manager, being that we're continuing down this path of the worst combined stock and bond market for more than 90 years now. At least at least on Friday, unlike 2018 when Christmas Eve, Cole, uh, Jerome Powell didn't get to star as the Grinch that stole Christmas for two times. We weren't going for the sequel, so this, this past Friday we had a little bit of a rally. And I was happy to see that. I didn't want to lump a coal going into Christmas. It wasn't. It wasn't like the Christmas Eve twenty, the fourth quarter of twenty eighteen. That is for sure. That is that is absolutely for sure. Although earlier this week, 
you know, this, this, in this past week, we did have the markets, or I should say the algorithms react to the final revision of third quarter GDP being revised up to 3.2%. And we're back to this, what's good is bad for the stock market and bad news is good news for the stock market. So obviously the algorithms took control of the market uh, Wednesday, if memory serves me correct where the revised GDP for third quarter came out higher than expected. They raised it from the previous revision, and the market just sold down and so, just took so it away. Definitely, there's definitely coal in the stockings for December. We haven't had a negative December since 2018, that fourth quarter of 2018, when the S&P 500 lost 20% in that final quarter, ruining what was otherwise a, a pretty good year back then. Uh, but definitely coal in the stocking, and we don't have too many uh, negative Decembers. Yeah, we've got four trading days left, but the S&P's down almost 6% uh, month today. I don't think we're going to recover that uh, in the next four days. And the tech stocks, you know, getting taken out again this week, down almost 2% for the week. Uh, tech's been taking it on the chin. Uh, no surprise. Tech was leading us throughout COVID, and it shouldn't have been any surprise that tech was going to lead us down. Uh, on the other side, the, the question that that we all have before us now, with four days left uh, in the uh, month of December and the and for 2022, is how do we position? What do we think about going to be happening in 2023? I'm not going to say yet because we we're going to have a show next week. We got so one more keep, show. I'm going to keep everybody on the edge of their seats before I give my predictions. Kyle is thinking. I bet it's a little bit bearish. <laughs> it's probably what Kyle's thinking right now. Well, uh, if, if, if you come out bullish, then I know that there's been an invasion of the body snatchers and somebody <laughs> has, has stolen you because and I, I mean, and I think, and I think the first half of next year is going to be a challenging first half of the year. And I know we've said on this program, I think we're all in the same boat that it's, 2023 is looking like it's going to turn out to be a second half year. And it's extremely rare from a market history standpoint to have two back-to-back negative years for the market. Now, it has happened this century in 01 and 02, but we also had a deeper recession in 01 and 02 that caused those two back-to-back negative years for the S&P 500. And I'm in the camp that we could definitely see a slowdown in the economy. I don't think personally, in my opinion, we're going to be seeing a deep, dark recession that a lot of pundits that are being wheeled out in the financial entertainment press is anticipating. And as we've been talking on this program for months now, this is a very complex and complicated market. There's so many different schools of thought, and it's very difficult to handicap. And so this is why we've always recommended and always educated on this program that you have to approach your investments from a balanced philosophy. And I'm not just talking about a balanced philosophy between your cash positions, your bond positions, and your stock positions, but how do you have your stock positions allocated between growth? between value, between growth at a reasonable price or core positions? How do you have it balanced between large cap, mid cap, and small cap? So there's multitudes of ways to dissect how you allocate your assets between these different asset classes, which I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit more about that later on in this program. Well, I I think the bottom line of all this is there's still, there's no fun until the Fed is done, until they are out of our way, 
it, it's just going to be this huge overhang over the market. That is the, the and that, and we cannot, we can't get excited. I can't get overly bullish on owning individual stocks until we get this overhang from the Fed out of the way. And it's going to take more data. There just hasn't been enough data, in my opinion, for the for the Fed to really pivot and either say, okay, we're going to go quarter percent, it's going to be every other meeting, or we're just going to stop and see what happens. We're, we're still a long ways from that, in my opinion. Well, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-275. 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So I had a lengthy conversation with Dad on Thursday, and of course he likes to throw a little criticism how much time we we spend talking about the Fed, but I mean, this entire year, for all intents and purposes, has been driven by the Fed and the Fed's decisions on monetary policy. But the one conversation he and I were having is his focus more on the potential geopolitical risk that started, you know, earlier this year, but is going, is obviously going to be continuing with this uh, continuous money taxpayer money that's being sent to the Ukraine to fight the Russians and this Patriot missile system that I guess was discussed this past week that the Ukraine is wanting as a missile defense system. But the fact that it takes up to two years to get trained and most likely it's going to take some American troops boots on the ground to get the Ukrainian forces trained up and the potential of American soldiers getting killed over in the Ukraine by Russia and that potentially causing some market disruptions sometime into 2023. So Dad had quite a bit of a focus on that and said, you need to mention this on on the show. He's like, this is a message to, coming directly from the loose cannon that needs to be discussed on <laughs> the right. show. Do you want to take it or you want me to take I, it? I, let me go first. That's a pretty, right. I'm just saying that's a pretty big bet, I would say. I mean, it's – I am not a military expert. But, and Kyle, you even talked about it before the show. I mean, would it make more sense to train them over somewhere, not necessarily in Ukraine, but somewhere where nothing could happen and, we, and you would not have us brought into this particular war and have that, that type of geopolitical risk? But anyway, that's are, my are you take talking, on it. Are you talking about maybe in a NATO country, a neighboring NATO country yes. where Putin, no one, no one in Russia would say, hey, let's lob a bomb into Poland. Because I mean, you have, any, you have any American boots on the ground training anybody in Ukraine, and, and you'd have to have a military expert. But th- that's how that would happen. If it's in a NATO country or somewhere not in Ukraine, you would think they would train over there. But that's that's not my area of expertise. You probably have to get my brother or somebody who's who's uh, actually been over in that uh, part of the world before 
to explain how that would work and, but, and the military experience. Mm-hmm. But and and, and 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 I understand where where his potential concern comes from. But I, you know, I agree with you guys. I don't think that our military would be actually boots on the ground in Ukraine. But I mean, we've been fighting a proxy war with Russia, you know, this entire time because of all the money. That's that's being sent from the taxpayers. And, of course, we had Zelensky, you know, addressing Congress like it's a State of the Union address a couple of days ago, you know, demanding more money. Um, You know, I I don't want to get off on the political tangent about, you know, we've got enough problems here at home. We have enough issues with our own borders where these dollars could be spent more effectively especially with this omnibus bill that was just jammed down all the American taxpayers' throats this past week, 4,000-plus pages where all of this pork, I mean, $400 million to secure Jordanian borders where we have millions of, okay. of, of immigrants coming across. I mean, we gotta let Jeff now, now we're, spending too, we're spending too much time talking about this mm. because the markets could care less about any of that. There is no... There's no different geopolitical risk than there was when this war started in February. And, yeah, Biden's not going to send American troops with the Patriot missiles onto Ukrainian soil to train them. They're going to be trained someplace someplace else, and then the Ukrainians will drag the missiles across the border and use them against the Russians. So there's nothing – there's no stock prices being determined right now based on geopolitical risk. So – if dad was here, I'd, I'd kind of just say, I kind of shake my head and it's like, no, that's not really a risk in the market. Cause actually, you know what? I'm going to rephrase that. That's always a risk in the market. It is geopolitical. not, the, yes, geopolitical, but there, it is not the number one risk. It's probably, if I could name 10, it'd be, it'd be 11. But right now it's all about one thing. And that's the Fed. Now, we're going to forget about the Fed here in the next few weeks once earnings begin in the middle of January. And then it's going to be all about earnings. Now, we had a couple of companies come out this week. I think it was FedEx and Nike. Nike had had, uh, some good numbers. And the markets got a little euphoric over it, especially the Nike numbers, because they were showing a, a decline in inventories. And that was one of the big problems that we'd seen in some of the retail stocks that had just had really tremendous inventories that had built up and they needed to work those off and, and get through a couple of quarters of earnings before you know, they would have uh, the, those big inventories uh, off their books. And, and maybe, maybe Nike's a, a good, in, maybe it's a good indicator. Maybe it's a one-off. I don't know. We're going to see, we're going to hear about earnings here in the next few weeks. But uh, we don't have any real Fed till February. You know, all we're going to have between now and then is data points. And so this week, what happens? We get a data point, GDP, and it's better than expected. And what does the market do? It reacts negatively. So here's another thing. You know that the bear market is over when the market stops reacting negatively to good news. Positive news, yeah. You know, when this perversion of the market when the perversion of the market flips runs its course. Yeah. Now granted it was a holiday trading session. I think it was Wednesday, right? Yes. So the the, the it was probably pretty thin. 
I mean, I don't have the volume numbers in front of me. I know Kyle's the expert on volume. But it was probably well pretty low, Well below daily average. Well below daily <laughs> average. All, all M2 in volume. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> so can you really hang your hat? I mean, well, what you can hang your hat on is it was better news, but the market reacted negatively to it. So when the market stops doing that, another here's another thing. Stocks stop going down. Individual stocks stop going down on a bad earnings report, right? How many times have we said it's priced in? And it's not. You know, another earnings report comes out and shazam, it's down another 10%, down another 15%. And you're scratching your head. Well, heck, the thing's down 60% this year, Tesla. And you get a bad earnings report, and it's down another 15%. You can throw another that's a, another one of your favorites, Bookface. You can talk about how sixty percent meta, meta. I mean, this week there there was definitely some some tax selling going on. I just kind of alluded to Tesla it was down twenty percent this week, twenty percent, and I don't think there was any news on it. Well, I mean, Elon Musk is looking for is looking for a CEO to take over CEO. Twitter. Yeah, well, so, he's got. He's got the message that you know he's going he to have to get back, get back <laughs> focused on Tesla. He's, he's taking a hit on his own yeah. stock, on his own well, company. It, it, he's got to get speaking, back to work. And speaking of tax loss selling, I mean, this would definitely be a recommendation to any listener of this program that has a taxable account that might have some longer-term, large embedded capital gains, and you have some losses in your portfolio this year to offset some of those gains. And take some of those gains and use some of those losses to offset because I know. This next week, we're definitely going to be doing the final stage of our tax loss harvesting for all of our taxable clients. So that is going to be the one of the last tasks we do before we put the book, you know, close the books for 2022 for our taxable clients is tax loss harvesting. Also, here's a reminder for everybody. Now that we're talking about end of the year, you better get it done. House if cleaning. You're, if you're if you're 72 years old or older and have an IRA. You need to be sure that you have taken your required minimum distribution by the end of the year. If you were taking required minimum distributions prior to turning the age of 72, then you need to be sure you still take your RMD. Yeah, the, the government needs its taxes to pay for that stim- that bill that they just passed, that one point seven trillion dollar bill. Dollars. So get you, get you know, please, please process your RMDs so, yeah. so, we, can, and- so we can spend it. <laughs> and, that also, and that also goes for anyone I'm that inherited. Sorry. I can't tell. That, it makes me mad. And that goes uh, that goes for anyone that also inherited an IRA from family member uh, prior to two, uh, 2020. It's you know, IRAs, 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 or beneficiary IRAs or beneficiary Roth IRAs also have required uh, minimum minimum distributions. And the rules can be complex, so please check with your advisor on uh, what required minimum distribution you should take, because if you don't take it and you should have taken one, the penalty is 50%. That's 5-0% of the required minimum distribution amount. It's a very stiff penalty. One of the most onerous tax penalties out there, almost as bad, yeah, even worse than the estate tax penalty. As well, it's as almost too late. You better have cash, because if you have it in stocks and you have settlement or you have ETFs, you better get on it Tuesday because Monday is like, not a market holiday. So, 
But yeah, that, that's absolutely right because you got to get those trades to settle and get them distributed. So with that, let's take our next next commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation, take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Moneywise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So as we, as I was talking in the first segment of this weekend show, you know, looking into next year, and I know we still have one more show left for 2022, so we're not going to go into our 2023 predictions. But I do want to talk a little bit about the portfolio, kind of how we're currently positioned in our moderate asset allocation um, here at Davidson Capital Management. And as we're coming into the end of 2022, we're pretty much squarely set at a 40-60 allocation, 40% being equities. 60% being fixed income with a cash component. Um, but as I was saying in the first segment of the show, talking about balance in a portfolio, a conversation that we've had for the last 16 plus years on the Money Wise program, and it's not just the balance between how much you have in dry powder cash. How much do you have in fixed income, which is your bond position? How much do you have in the stock position? But actually how you have your money divided in each one of these, you know, two major asset classes, stocks and bonds. And I know we've talked on this program, you know, going into next year, and we've already started to prep our stock portfolios for the new year, started to slowly and incrementally dollar cost average in on 16 new stock positions for our individual stock and bond accounts, and started to add to some of our exchange-traded fund positions in our asset builder program where we don't have individual uh, stocks in those portfolios. And when we and when we're designing and looking for the port looking at the portfolio going into 2023, you know, I know there's this big kind of fight going on in the financial entertainment press between kind of growth and then the value stocks. Now we know this past year in 2022, the growth stocks have really been taking it on the chin because they're the most affected from a higher interest rate because it discounts their cash flow, uh, the futures, the future value of their cash flows when you have a higher price earning multiple in a rising interest rate environment. So it's these growth names that have really been bludgeoned. I mean, Jeff mentioned Tesla, you know, just down 20% this past week alone, but almost 70% below its 52-week high. You look at a company like Meta, formerly known as Facebook, you know, down almost 70% from its 52-week high. So there's some big growth name names out there that have just absolutely been bludgeoned this past year. Yeah. So essentially Fang has been defanged in 2022 and that's that's that has come to fruition. 
I mean, be, be beyond defanged, and and then for yourself, as you as you think to yourself as an investor, you know, we're long term investors here at Davidson Capital Management. We're not quick buck artists. We're not fast money people. We're not day traders. You know, we don't use anything exotic in, in, in our client portfolios or our personal portfolios. Plain vanilla still works on Wall Street, but you have to have a very concise methodology of the security selection and the vetting of the investments that go in the portfolio. And then you constantly have to do homework on those positions even after you buy them. You can't just set it and forget it. And so looking at some of the growth names in the overall stock market, I mean, there are some tremendous values. Granted, Jeff would say, well, they could become even bigger values going into <laughs> next year, which is true. It's, which is true, you know, just because one stock is 70% off its 52-week high doesn't mean it can't be 80% off its 52-week high. But you have to start thinking to yourself as an investor, if I'm a long-term investor and I'm able to buy a stock or buy a company that's 50, 60% off its 52-week high, is there a pretty high probability three to four years from now that I'm going to be making money in this company? Well, yes, there is a very high probability that that's going to occur, but you have to have the intestinal fortitude as an investor and, and have containment of your emotions to be able to ride the most likely more volatile first two quarters of 2023. But this is why the old adage, you know, you have to look at your investments as a long-term investor because markets like we've had this year are very rare. I mean, this is what, the 14th true bear market since the Great Depression? You know, 12th so, yeah, 12th or 13th, 14th, like you know, give or, give or take. The, probability- it's the worst year. It's the worst year in stocks since 2008. That's true. We all know what happened in 2008. S&P 500 was down 37%. What makes this year especially difficult is bonds didn't, didn't bonds help. in your portfolio. If you didn't have the right ones, if you didn't, if you weren't hedged, uh, it, they, they hurt you. And in 08, uh, bonds were helping us to keep our hole shallow, because that's the key in a down market is to keep your hole shallow. Uh, this year, bonds again helped us to keep our hole shallow because we made some really great calls at the beginning of the year uh, on the bond, in the bond portfolio. And then we've, we've made some other good calls here at the end of the year by taking advantage of these higher rates and starting to put some money, you know, back into the, back into the fixed income side of the equation, something that we haven't been able to do. It really earned some, and I'll call, I'll put this in quotations, more reasonable levels of return uh, in fixed income. It's been what's been 15 years since we've had yields as high as they are right now. Uh, it's you know, some things that are really interesting uh, and crazy at the same time, personally, is the yields that we're getting now in uh, certain cash instruments that were just would have been a couple of years ago a fantasy. You know, told me a couple of years ago we get four and a quarter percent in cash. I just said you're nuts. When we were getting a, a tenth or less of a percent annualized in cash, and now we're getting forty times that in cash. So. The thing about 
stocks that are down 60 70% from their all-time high, some of them never come back. So people that bought it at 60 70% higher, that bought Facebook at its all-time high, or within a few weeks of its all-time high. I don't know that Facebook's ever going to get back to its all-time high. Well, Jeff, it happened during the tech bubble. Mm-hmm. It happened during 08, and there's a really, really good chance after this year the same thing's going to happen again. So that's the thing that about the individual stocks. You have yeah, to be ready for that. And, and you better be really, really, really good at what you're doing. And as Kyle always says, you do your homework, know what you own, and know why you own it. And have a realistic expectation on what your time frame is for that particular investment to pan out. Because the average investor, I mean, probably has a three-year window when they're looking at an investment. And they throw their hands up. They're like, I'm done. So you know, well, those are some of the but, things that but, you but, have to take into account. But to Jeff's point, you know, going back to the dot-com bubble bursting, some of those stocks took a decade plus to get back. And, some and of them I'm, never and, come back. And some of them never come back. And I'm sure there might be some tech names that just got bludgeoned this year that could take 10, 12, 15 years to get back to those highs, if ever. But this is, again, where the, the research, the analysis, the fundamental quality – of the company, the cash flow, the margins, I'm starting to get, you know, a little back into the weeds for, for home gamers. But but as far as, you know, really the, 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 the biggest point is, is continuing to maintain that long-term perspective, but having a proper balance in your portfolio for us, yeah, we, we hear a lot of negativity about growth stocks. Are we going to completely eliminate some growth names in our portfolios? No. No, you can't. It's it, our, the whole key is it's not all or nothing. It's about having proper balance. So we're going to have some representation in value. We're going to have some representation in growth. But when we look at our moderate asset allocation models, the brunt of our assets are more focused in GARP or growth at a reasonable price positions, whether it's exchange-traded funds or whether it's in individual names, when we look at the total makeup of our portfolio. So it goes back to what we've talked about you know, going over a year is kind of that barbell approach, maintaining that barbell approach. If there's some growthy names that you don't own in your portfolio that you would like to have in your portfolio that have down 30, 40%. I mean, do your homework because you don't want them to turn out to be stocks like we're talking about that never come back. But I'm sure there's definitely some names out there that will make a comeback. And if you have that long-term perspective, you have that patience, you have the control of your emotions where you can start slowly dollar cost averaging in. Because as we're going into 2023, we are still defensively positioned. You know, we definitely still have our shield up around our portfolio, but our sword to go on the offense is definitely firmly in our other hand, ready to to put it to use when we feel that the timing is right. And as Jeff said, and as we always say, it's going to be extremely data dependent because we know the Fed is going to be raising rates most likely February 1st, which is their next meeting. The big question, is it going to be a half of a percent or is it going to be a quarter of a percent? But the bottom line is, is I, in my personal opinion, the Fed is definitely deep in the eighth inning of interest rate increases because as the CPI, Consumer Price Index, statistics keep coming out as we get further into 2023, they're going to continue to accelerate down. And we could be seeing CPI three and a half, four percent or less 
by the time we get to the summer of 2023. And the Fed, I think, will long since been done raising interest rates by then. So I'm sure Jeff's going to have a lot to say when we come back for the commercial break on what I just said. So we'll cover that in the next segment. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Tuesday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at one 800 275 2162 if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program, our Christmas Eve edition of MoneyWise, and I know I said a few things going to the last commercial break as far as, I guess, letting in some of my predictions for next year, although we'll go a lot more into that on next weekend's show. So, Jeff, I'm sure you probably want to take uh, take issue maybe with a couple things I said. Maybe. Maybe. You <laughs> maybe. never. Maybe a few things. You said growth. I thought I heard Kyle say that we weren't going to sell any growth stocks out of our portfolio. Did I hear you no, say no, the no. word any? No. No, I said we're not going to completely take okay, growth that's positions. Right. We, we, out will of not, we will not take we will not sell all of our growth stocks. Will we sell some of our growth stocks in the first quarter earnings season or before or during or after? The answer is maybe. There may be a few that need to be uh put out for a while. That mean that they're good companies. This is the thing about this the market. There's good companies and there's good stocks. And they're not always the same thing. You know, they're just not always the same thing. Microsoft, good company. Is it a good stock in this environment? Well, you tell me what their earnings are going to be in the first quarter, how much they're going to lower the bar. Has has it all been priced in, as they say? I'm from Missouri, as Dad would say. They're going to have to show me. You know, they're going to have to show me. And I'm not sure that they're going to be able to show me with just one quarter's uh, uh, earnings reports. I think these first quarter earnings, if, they're going to, if companies are going to lower the bar for 2023, that's when they're going to do it, right? They're going to do it right then and there. I think Apple's going to come out with an earnings warning, whether it's next week, right before the end of the year, or they're going to wait until the, the first week of uh, January. If one of the big horsemen, Think Microsoft, think Apple, think Google. If any of those companies comes out with a pre-announcement that's negative, it is not going to be well-received by the market, and it is not going to have already been priced into the stocks. Now, between now and the Fed meeting, we're going to have two more CPIs. We're going to have a lot more uh, inflation data. I am so surprised, Kyle. You have not said anything about PCE I was going to say show. something. I mean, what? That's it's your Friday. faith. The, between M2 and uh, what's the other one, Joe? No, it's really M2. M2. <laughs> well, it's CPI. No, it's called it's volume. No, no, no. No, 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 no Kyle. Supply, oh, volume. Totally volume. Between volume and, yeah, sorry, between volume and M2, PCEs yep. is, is one of his pet, pet uh, statistics, and PCE was down. 
It um, was about half would, a percent, right? But that was on, uh, and that was on Friday. The market. You, were up you would on expect Friday. a bigger rally than than what we saw. But, but the leading opinion. economic indicators was down. I think from the ninth straight month, and there has never, underline never, not been a recession when you've had the leading economic indicators down that many months in a row. It has never happened. So I'm on the betting side that we are going to have a recession in 2023. But remember, stocks can't go up in recession. I I get that, but it's going to be in the second half of the year. Well, and, and, and going back to core PCE, this was the lowest core PCE print all year. It is. October of 21 was the last time it was this low year over year. So I think we can all agree inflation has long since peaked. But it's not, you know, you said accelerating to the downside. I'm not going to use that word. It will start to, you know, on the year over year comparisons. But ain't transitory. We can all agree on that. But here's here's the deal. The the Fed's not going to turn around when they stop raising rates, whenever that is. In the very next meeting, they're going to start cutting them. That's not I going agree. to happen. Totally agree. So, so I that totally means agree. that means that we're going to if 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 they run Fed funds to five percent, and we can get five percent in certain cash investments, that is a overhang for stocks. So, I, I think. I'm kind of summarizing what Jeff is saying is if you're looking at growth as an asset class going into next year, you, you want to take a look at your portfolio and make sure you're not overweight large cap growth or tech. I did a portfolio review this week and I saw an individual, he had 10% of all the mutual funds and ETFs he had and Apple. And to Jeff's point about looking at earnings with Apple, make sure you know what you own going into next year. Check yourself. Don't be overweight one asset class or the other. And think about it. Small caps do really well out of recession. We thought at the beginning of the year, well, maybe this is it. Maybe we're going to hit this shallow recession. And I, 08, small caps were a good play out of it. We have well, it's to assuming it it's a sh- it's assuming mm-hmm. it's a shallow recession. But, but, yep. but here's but here's the other thing. Talking about going, you know, being us being more defensively positioned at a forty sixty allocation. But even when you look at the forty, then how are you allocated in the forty? Well, our forty is more growth at a reasonable price, leaning to value. We but, still have some growth representation in the portfolio, but even our individual stock selections are still more on the defensive side, on top of our overall asset allocation between stocks and bonds and cash. So, so the growth- you can you can still be defensive in your stock positions. Within a total overall allocation, we got to let Jeff close. Yeah. Okay. Ready. So growth at a reasonable price assumes that the price is reasonable, and you can only assume that the price is reasonable if the earnings estimates are reason are true. And we're you cannot, with any level degree of certainty, determine that these stocks that our growth at a reasonable price had that label put on them is actually reasonable. We're going to find out here in the next few weeks. Well, again, that's why with investing, it's all data dependent. If you've got money to put into stocks, if you've got money to put into stocks, here's our advice as we have the last 60 seconds before, before we say Merry Christmas to everybody. 
I wouldn't, I would be very careful about committing new money to stocks in advance of this earnings season. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of negativity in this earnings season. But also, though, if you do want to start putting some money to work before earnings, you need to do it incrementally. You need I just told them not to do it. <laughs> no, but I'm saying if somebody is a Tune long-term investor week, and, is, and is willing to take a little bit of a risk not to go all in whole hog, maybe break up your buys into four different pieces at 25% apiece or break it into six different buy-ins Good to advice. be able to do that because, you know, you do have to assume some level of risk as any investor in Wall Street does. So with that, we're coming up to the top of our break. But before we go to the break and head into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, I want to wish everyone a safe, happy, Merry Christmas. Tune in next weekend where we'll be doing our year-end prediction show for 2023. So stay tuned. As we come back from the break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise Guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on Money Wise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Money Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. Well, as as we like to utilize every second hour of the Money Wise program going into investor education, and any longtime listeners of the program know that we definitely love our top ten lists. Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an ode to uh, to David Letterman. Uh, but we have a top ten list for this afternoon's show called the Ten Myths of Retirement Planning. And so we'll dive right in with myth number one. And that first myth is you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. Now, this I would say the financial entertainment press, the legacy distribution system for Years and years and years, as long as I've been in the business, which you know for me is coming up on 16 years I've been doing this, they have the kind of industry standard that you only need 70 to 80% of what you're currently earning while you're working in retirement to maintain your lifestyle once you are in retirement. And, you know, very honestly, what I try to educate prospective clients uh, that come in here to Davidson Capital Management is that 
we don't abide by that 70 to 80% of your current income in retirement to maintain your lifestyle. In fact, most instances I say you need 95 to 100% of what you're currently earning now. You need to be able to withdraw that same amount of money in retirement from your nest egg in order to maintain your lifestyle because the one, I think, variable that the legacy distribution system doesn't uh, – calculate doesn't uh, put into their calculation or account for is the fact that what's the one thing that you have a heck of a lot more of in retirement than you do during your working years leisure time that's right you have a lot more leisure time so you have more time to travel if you're into hunting fishing golfing those are not cheap hobbies by any stretch of the imagination or now you're getting into new hobbies that take more time and more money and so, you know, that myth that you don't need as much money in retirement as you do right now, again, I think is a complete myth and it's complete bogus. Do you want to add something, Jeff? Well, go ahead, Dan. Well, I was going to say also medical expenses. That's the one thing that uh, that's really the X factor, the unknown factor as you get older because that's, that's true. definitely going up. Well, that's true. We don't know the the inflationary costs of medical care. Obviously, as you get older, you need more and more attention from healthcare professionals. Uh, but I think something else, Dad, that that's a big unknown that's out there. And I think um, I'm not even going out of limb on saying this, but with with the deficits that we currently face and the national debt, I mean, to say that taxes are going to be going down in the future. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I, and so I think retirees or folks that are working towards retirement and building their nest egg, that's something that they need to keep, keep in the back of their mind is, you know, they shouldn't anticipate, oh, well, I'm going to only have a 10 or 12% effective tax rate in retirement because nobody knows what their tax rate is going to be. And again, we're assuming that taxes will be going up as far as the eye can see because of the deficits, because of the national debt that we have. I think maybe turning this myth around and turning it into a question is something that we at Davidson Capital Management do time and again when we're meeting with prospective clients, and they ask this question, well, what do you think the portfolio can produce in income in retirement? They may maybe the, the maybe you don't know exactly what you think you will need, but maybe if you had an estimate of what the what your portfolio might produce if you were to retire right now, or if you were to retire say ten years from now at a certain rate of return based on the portfolio nest egg that you have right now, and then apply our maximum withdrawal rate here that we have at our firm of seven percent a year, and say, do you think this number will be? enough money for you to retire on uh, when you reach retirement years. Let's say that the, the, that they bring a portfolio of a certain size and we, and we estimate that it'll grow at 7 to 8% a year for another 10 years, and the number we start off with is a $1 million. We'll just round it off. Well, at our maximum rate of withdrawal, that's $70,000 a year, 7% of a $1 million. So is is 70,000 do you think $70,000 a year based on a $1 million portfolio will be enough to keep your lifestyle where it is right now if we find that there's that the the client is spending $140,000 a year on their lifestyle that's $70,000 in retirement we're not even taking into account any social security of course 
might not be enough to support their current lifestyle. So now we now we got to now we got to look at okay, are we going to start saving more now to increase that nest egg size so that we can get a little closer to uh, to that target uh, income, or do we need to think about uh, lowering living expenses, lowering 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 liver expenses, lowering expectations uh, for income in retirement? All three. Well, I, I, think, I think one thing that a lot of retirees can get or pre-retirees can get in trouble is they go in with expectations that, well, my portfolio needs to be designed to where I'm, I'm outperforming the S&P 500 each and every year. And if you're creating a financial plan that takes that scenario in, 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 into effect, that is extremely, extremely dangerous. And by saying that, I need to have my portfolio outperforming the S&P each and every year. It's unrealistic. It's very unrealistic. And the one, one of the big problems that pre-retirees have going into maybe a professional asset manager relationship is they have unrealistic expectations. And what they need to do is they need to establish a goal, a plan. You know, my goal for this money is to grow 8% per year. Like you said, Jeff, let's sit down and work out a plan. And what are your goals? And say, okay, if you only need to earn 7 maybe 8% annualized over, you know, after all fees and expenses for a lengthy period of time, let's say the next 10 or 15 years, to have a comfortable retirement, then that's really what you should focus on and how you should position your portfolio and allocate it. But if you're the type of investor that's like, i got to beat the S&P each and every year, you're setting yourself up for disappointment and failure because it is next to impossible to do. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to take a different approach. That's that's one type of client that we see uh, here at Davidson Capital, but there's also another type I want to talk about when we come back. Okay, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the Money Wise program, you can send our emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we're focusing on the second hour of this weekend's program, the 10 myths of retirement planning. We're actually still working on myth number one. Uh, that myth, again, uh, you will not need as much money during retirement as you do right now. And so we were talking before we went to break about setting goals and having appropriate goals in place and appropriate expectations in place with your nest egg as you're going into retirement. And, Jeff, I know you wanted to add a little bit to that. Well, that is that is one. We see this that this type of scenario with some prospective clients that are looking for maximum performance. They're, they're, they're very much focused on performance, and we understand that. But I think another type of client that we that we're seeing and maybe this is an offshoot of of the, of the new target date funds that have been out here for about the last 10 years and that's this assumption that as i get closer and closer to retirement i need to have more and more of my money in in bond investments and in fixed income investments and less and less in stock because i need to be taking less risk and so by having more money in fixed income well that would be traditionally saying well i'm taking less risk well that's all fine and good 
in a normal interest rate environment, and I use that in quotations, is, but this is not a normal interest Definitely rate Definitely not normal. And we have not had a normal interest rate environment for a very long time. And it appears that we may not have a normal interest rate environment for a number of years into the future. So <clears throat> having a asset allocation strategy that as I'm approaching retirement, I need to have less than what we would recommend an, uh, an allocation in stocks in the current rate environment and more of an allocation to bonds, but yet still have a uh, expected rate of return of 8% is not realistic. Mm-hmm. Is not realistic at all. And so m- maybe the two tie together is about having realistic expectations and understanding that in order to deliver those expectations, you have to have a certain ratio of stocks to bonds based on the existing current interest rate environment. Yes, Dave? Well, just say we were looking at a traditional balanced account, which in the old days would be 60% stock, 40% bond. Well, if you're at a 10% return in stocks, that means you're going to get 6% from your stock side of the portfolio. The problem is the 40% that would be sitting in bonds with a 10-year bond, you know, slightly, you know, less than three, you're you're not getting up to the 7%, which we have seen is a safe withdrawal rate going back our 25 years. But And it's because of the bond component. The bond component right now is changing the math on what people need for retirement. But I don't think the retirees are picking up on that fact, Dad. I, I don't think they are. And when you're talking about target date funds putting more money into bonds as people approach retirement, what is the most dangerous asset class out there right now? It is bonds. Fixed income. Because we don't know very how few the people Fed, say it. Very, very few people would say that. No, I, Nobody would say that. I don't think other than people that run bonds like us. We either know, than us. Either we, than us. We know, we know that it's dangerous. You get the Bill Grosses of the world that come out and say it's a new normal. They don't want to come out and say it's a new bubble. They don't want to say the bubble word Contacted with bonds. So are we moving on to myth number two? Myth number two. Myth number two. My retirement years won't last that long. The fact is today's today individuals in their 50s and 60s, of course, are generally healthier than previous generations. So if you're 65 years old right now, your life expectancy is approximately 21 years. And... With a life expectancy of 21 years means that you have a 50% chance of dying by year 21 and a 50% chance of living longer. So if you're 65 right now, you have a 50-50 chance of, of living past 86 years old. And so that, again, goes along with creating that plan and having your goals and realizing, is my nest egg sufficient enough to sustain me till I'm 86 or till I'm 95. And if you and have nobody a, knows. And if you have a 7% rate of withdrawal in your portfolio and you've got a 100% fixed income earning you 2%, you're not going to get there. It's not it may not last 21 years. You know, as I always as I say to prospective clients, if we all knew when the last day on this earth would be for each one of us, man, retirement planning would be so much easier, but unfortunately, and I guess fortunately, we don't know when that day is going to be. Myth number three, you can afford to start planning for your retirement a few years before your retirement date. 
In fact, it is never too soon to begin planning for retirement. Time is one of the most powerful tools in the accumulation of wealth. The sooner you start to accumulate assets and plan for your retirement years, the better, the less you will need to set aside each year in order to achieve the same objective. Now, I've talked about this over and over and over again for a number of years using the example of someone that was just fresh out of college, that just graduated, just got their diploma, and they get their first job, and if they had a, if they this 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 one million dollar goal to have in your in your retirement years, you start off your retirement with a one one million dollar nest egg. If you started saving when you were twenty one, twenty two years old, and you save for forty years to get to sixty two, the you would have to save what amounts to about a, skipping lunch every day. Brown going bagging out. it. By brown. brown bagging it, going to work. About about $8 a day, it's like $250 a month. If you save that amount of money at 22 years old and you never change it, you would, accum- and you would accumulate about a million dollars at an 8% compounded rate of return. You know what our listeners can do? They can just go into Google and Google the term time value of money and read the explanation. I mean, it's very, very simple. And, and again, if you're someone who's in their 40s, maybe in their early 50s, and you haven't started saving for retirement, I mean, this is when you need to buckle down and start putting the pedal to the metal uh, to, to try to save as much as possible. It's never too late. As we've always said on the radio show, pay yourself first. But this myth number three rolls right into myth number four for those individuals that have failed to plan for their retirement, and that myth number four is that Social Security will provide enough income for my retirement years. Bottom line, Social Security accounts for approximately 38% of the average retirement of the average retiree's income. So, uh, you know, you're you're talking, you know, 62% that still needs to be made up. And 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 again, to be very blunt. If you're relying on the federal government to take care of you in retirement, again, you are setting yourself up for failure. We all know the Social Security system is broken. It needs a substantial overhaul. Um, The fact that Social Security benefits with cost of living adjustments, or COLA for short, have become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years. if you're one of those individuals that's just relying on Social Security to take care of you, again, you're planning for failure in your retirement years and possibly working to the day that you die. You have to start planning and you have to start putting away. You know, if you follow myth number three, then you're going to wind up falling into the trap of myth number four. So myth number five, I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. Boy, this is extremely, extremely dangerous to think that a traditional pension or defined benefit plan is going to take care of you throughout the rest of your retirement years. And and again, as as we all know, uh, with the invention of the 401k through the Tax Reform Act of 1978, this is where corporate America has been going. They've been shifting away from the defined benefit plan. So there might only be a handful of listeners of this weekend's program that have the luxury of having a defined benefit plan. But we have always recommended at Davidson Capital Management that if you have the ability to take a cash 
lump sum distribution from your pension. And the and the way that you can do that is, first off, your pension has to have over an 80% uh, funding rate by the corporation to take a 100% lump sum. And then if it has a 60 to 80% funded rate from the corporation, you can take a partial lump sum distribution. And then any pension that's less than 60% funded, you're going to have to take the pension payment. And I know, you know, one particular organization here in town that falls in that category of having an underfunded pension. But, you know, the one thing that they don't tell you when they give you the options that you can select at time of retirement, whether to take a lump sum or to take the annuity payments from your pension, is that these pension payments are not adjusted for inflation. So maybe that fifteen hundred. So that fifteen hundred dollars that you started receiving in your pension on month one and year one is going to be buying a heck of a lot less goods and services ten years from now. And I think that's one area that retirees forget that monetary inflation is eroding your purchasing power. And once you start taking that pension payment, there's no going back. You're done. You're locked out. That's what you're going to be getting for the rest of your life. And it's not adjusted for inflation, so each and every month that goes by, you're going to be able to buy a little less goods and services. So you need to keep that in the back of your mind, and that's one main reason, one huge reason why we recommend to take a lump sum distribution, if you can, from your traditional pension. With that, we're coming to the bottom of the hour break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So we've been talking this hour about the 10 myths the ten myths of retirement planning. Um, we've gotten to myth, and we came to the bottom of the hour break. We're on myth number five, uh, which was I have my pension plan to provide for my retirement income and will not need any additional savings. And as we went to break, was talking about what we recommend to prospective clients at Davidson Capital Management when you can take the lump sum distribution from your pension to do that, for one, so you now have full, complete control of those assets. Also, so you can put those assets to work for you in an allocation model that can provide you with growth and something that's going to be appropriate for you to help make that money last your entire uh, lifespan in retirement, but also to help combat, combat monetary inflation. Because again, that's one thing that the pension provider is not going to tell you at a pre-retirement meeting is that once you annuitize that pension and start taking that monthly check, that's the check that you're going to continue to receive. It's not going to be adjusted for inflation. And so that $1,500, as an example, that you start receiving each and every month will buy less goods and services as every month goes by. So imagine, and think of it very easily, will $1,500 20 years ago buy the same amount of goods and service as it does today? No, because of monetary inflation. That is the one thing that is not discussed enough with pre-retirees. It's one aspect 
uh, of the market that that individuals don't think about a lot, and why I've always been a big advocate that every brokerage statement across this country should have a notation of what monetary inflation was for that reporting period, so they realize, oh, I did lose a little bit of value in my CD because of monetary inflation, or I lost value of my money sitting in cash in the bank vault because of monetary inflation. It, it affects pensions the exact same way. So myth number six, Medicare will take care of my health insurance. And I'm glad that this is on the list of myths because this is a conversation I have when I go through my financial road mapping exercises with clients when we work with our clients that are working towards that retirement. I don't want to say retirement goal line. I would say retirement is the 50-yard line. So as they're working to the 50-yard line of the field to go into retirement, when I start, when I have our clients work on their monthly budgets, I always want them to put in some type of figure for supplemental insurance to Medicare. I always tell our clients that do not rely 100% on Medicare. And you know the bottom line is, is that Medicare pays less than a half of a typical retiree's medical bills, and that you have to have a supplemental plan. And Dad, I mean, you're absolutely you're an absolute authority on this. No, 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 that's you're absolutely correct, Kyle. And so I always want to build into a retirement budget, and this is again an exercise for any pre-retiree that's working on their monthly budget to include. What do you pay? Around four uh, five hundred dollars a month. It's getting more and more expensive. It is okay. So uh, your supplemental plan is getting more yes. and more expensive. So I would say, and we've were, already reduced one of the portions of it. So would you say for a pre-retiree to maybe work in four to maybe six hundred dollars a month for that supplemental policy, uh, or uh, even more? Uh, actually, it's going to be it's going to start to be more than that. Really? Yes. That's what it is. Currently. Maybe six to eight, maybe six to eight hundred dollars. It's uh, it's getting there. It's getting there. So the bottom line is, is that well, the problem is at this point in time because of Obamacare, we we don't totally know the effects yet. You know, th- this has not got through the system, and the other thing that doesn't come out in this that they won't tell you is you're not going to see all the same health professionals you saw before. Not every doctor wants Medicare patients. That's true, and so. There's instances where your your specialists are going to change. That's not all. That's another myth too. Is that you may <laughs> you're not, adding myth number eleven. You, you may be going <laughs> you, to San Antonio to see someone you want to see. Myth: You can keep all of your current healthcare yes. providers. Yeah, that that's not myth. even that's your not, primary care. That's positions. not true on Medicare, much less Obamacare. So anyone working out a monthly budget pre-retiree, they need to figure in. A health insurance cost, even if you're going into Medicare because you're going to have to have that supplemental policy. Uh, Myth number seven, all my assets are in safe vehicles for long-term accumulation and do not need to be watched closely. What the heck are safe vehicles for long-term accumulation? What what do they mean by that? There is none. Well, I I know an annuity salesman would say this annuity, this indexed annuity, this variable annuity, that's that's safe. It's quote-unquote guaranteed. That talk should have ended Hardy in 08 or 09. I mean, they, they might be talking about certificates of deposit yes. or government bonds. Yes. But those safe that's vehicles it. for long-term accumulation aren't accumulating a whole lot. I was about in, to say. In, they, in today's interest rates. They need to define what is accumulation. <laughs> That's a very loose term Something right less there. than 1% is not accumulating to me. I mean, the, the, the bottom line, anyone 
going into retirement with, oh, I've got everything in CDs, I've got everything in my money market account, I'm, I've got everything in fixed income, I'm safe, I can go on my trips, on my vacations, I can go play with the grandkids and the family, I don't have to think about it, don't have to worry about it. If you don't work with an investment professional who has discretionary control and is a registered investment advisor to manage those assets for you, then you're the portfolio manager. and you cannot- Well, there is a portfolio manager. Whether you hire one or not, you've hired yourself. That's right. Yeah, that, that means that you're the portfolio manager and you cannot fall asleep behind the wheel and following this methodology of, oh, I'm safe, I don't need to watch it closely, again, setting yourself up for failure. This is why we've always used the Money Wise program to educate and to enlighten pre-retirees and retirees that you always have to be vigilant in your portfolio, whether you're doing it yourself or whether you're working with an investment professional, it's something that has to be paid attention to. Well, I mean, you are the portfolio manager on your 401k plan. That's right. That That's right. If you don't have a self-directed brokerage option, and, and again, that brings up another important point, something that a lot of 401k plans don't talk about, is in-service distribution options for participants in 401ks that are age 59 and a half and older. If you're planning on working another five or six years, guess what? At 59 and a half, you have the ability to hire an investment professional, roll your 401k assets out into a self-directed IRA that you can now get professionally managed. And for someone who's amassed... 500, 600, 800, a million dollars in their 401k and they don't feel comfortable with what they're doing in their own account, this is when you might want to start looking at your options as you're continuing to work and participating in the 401k for looking at a self-directed, either a self-directed or an in-service distribution option in the 401k. Um, So myth number eight, I can always use the equity in my home to add to my retirement income. Well, This might have been a thought pattern prior to the housing collapse back from 2006 and 2007, and with home values just starting to come back and revive. They're bubbling up in here. There's no question about that. They they are, depending upon what part of the country you live in. Um, But again, as we've always educated and always talked about here on the Money Wise program, is that you should view your house as where you live. Do not view it as an investment. If you have your house paid off, yeah, you have equity built into it. It's kind of a break glass in case of emergency type thing. But if you're developing a financial plan in retirement that revolves around taking a reverse mortgage out, or taking a home equity line of credit out and and living off of the equity bills into your house, again, you're planning and setting yourself up for failure. And again, with the financial crisis back in 08, which again, housing market had a lot to lend itself to, to that financial crisis, there's a lot of folks that still could be underwater, have zero or very little home equity. Uh, So we always say don't look at your house as a piggy bank. Look at your house as where you live. And if you have equity built into it, fantastic. But don't include it in a financial plan that, hey, this is a register that I'm going to be able to ring if I need to. Anything else you wanted to add? Myth number nine. If need be, my family can always help me out. This is my plan. (laughs) 
Well, that's myth number nine. Yeah, right? that, that's myth. That's myth Usually number myth nine. Number one. Yeah, myth number nine. And the fact is that many people use this as an excuse for dele- delaying retirement planning, but in reality, no one wants to rely on other family members to help them out financially to fund their retirement years. And if anything, these are the years when you want true financial independence and do not want to feel as if you are a burden on your family. There must be some very interesting Thanksgivings out there. I mean, the, the fact that this many people could be getting along, I thought it would be, would be the last people that you'd want to rely on would be family members. You, well, I, I mean, and unfortunately, again, if if you're the type of investor or the lack thereof, not investing, not planning, you know, believing in a lot of these myths that we've already discussed, then you're going to wind up falling into the category where you're going to be looking to your children or looking to other family members to take care of you in retirement and, again, becoming a burden on them. And I, and, and I would think that that's, that's not a conversation that any parent wants to have with their child saying, well, hey, Sally, hey, you know, I'm going to be moving in with you now. I hope you have an uh, yeah, extra room I, in your house. Yeah, I'm going to be, because I did such a poor job planning for retirement, now I'm going to come live with you. How, what do you think about that? Or, or then the parents become a travel agent for guilt trips and say, well, I paid for your college. I did I all this you. for you. I raised you. You owe me this. I would recommend try not to be one of those parents that's a you owe me this kind of parent. You have to do the planning yourself and prepare for your retirement. Well, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll be wrapping up the 10 myths of retirement planning, and we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. The Money Wise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 906- zero zero seven zero or toll free at one eight hundred two seven five two one six two and if you'd like to send us an email you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com so we spent the last hour of this weekend's moneywise program going through the 10 myths of retirement planning and we finally arrived at myth number 10 and that myth is money is everything when it comes to retirement planning Uh, Now, money is important, but it isn't everything because, again, you could have $4 million nest egg saved up, but you're spending $400,000 a year to maintain your lifestyle, and guess what? That nest egg isn't going to last too long. And so you you could have been a fantastic saver, but if you're going into retirement with a massive amount of debt, consumer debt, you know, huge house payment, a bunch of car payments, a lot of toys, high monthly expenses, and and you're leading this very, very extravagant lifestyle, doesn't matter how much you, you, you've saved because you have to pay attention to what you're spending. Yeah. It's about creating a proper balance. And, and, it's, well, and it's pretty rare that we see folks that have accumulated tr- large nest eggs but but also have been have really big spending habits. Usually it's 
their nest egg is moderate to maybe a little below average, but they have big spending habits. Well, well what I see also is we'll still see people that save quite a bit of money, and then they get in retirement, and they're way too frugal. They're so afraid they're going to outlive their money, they won't even... Enjoy, real, enjoy yeah. some of the fruits of their labor. I mean, I see well, this it, more. It, it's 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 about a happy medium, a happy balance. But I think that it goes back to your point: is that retirement planning has to stay flexible. You have to be malleable because life can change in the blink of an eye. Markets change each and every day. Allocations can adjust. You have to be flexible. This is why we're such humongous advocates against, again, let me repeat, against annuities of any shape or form because it takes away that flexibility right. and that malleability. We're, we're very much against taking, if you if you work for a corporation that offers a, a, a pension plan and you and you take the pension payment and don't take the lump sum. We're very much against taking the pension payment because you're locking yourself in to this amount of money for the rest of your life. It will be never be a penny more or a penny less. And no one knows that that's going to be enough with your other retirement income to get through retirement. So like, like Kyle said, and then we'll reiterate it again, flexibility is the key because markets, don't stay the same. Life doesn't stay the same. I, I, and, to, and to me, of the ten myths, the one that 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 really I strikes a chord with strikes you strikes a chord. I would not even consider retiring without a supplemental plan to my Medicare. Do not rely on Medicare for your health costs, because that is the one guarantee. I would say you're definitely going to be using as you get older. So it's death, taxes, and increase in medical care, <laughs> increased cost of medical care. Yes. Those are the three now. It's not yeah. just death and taxes. Well, that's right. Inflation and medical inflation care. Inflation is all – I don't know that I've ever lived in, in two years in a row that we haven't had a pos, positive inflation. We've had inflation practically every year of my life. And, the, and, and if I've been living 48, I have no reason to doubt that the next 48 are going to have inflation also. Now, despite what the government says, current interest, current inflation rates being somewhere less than 2%, I don't know anyone that uh, isn't paying more than 2% for their living expenses. And so I'm a little suspicious of how the government's computing these numbers. And, you know, we've always used at least a minimum 3% uh, inflation rate. And so if, if, you're, if you're accumulating assets into retirement – and you unfortunately have received advice or believe that as you approach those retirement years, you should have less and less money in stocks and more and more money in a in fixed income or bond investments. There isn't a bond investment out there that has a uh, that is uh, what we would consider to be investment grade that's yielding more than three percent unless you go way way out well, there's the no one yielding seven and we're talking about in our experience our 25 years we've seen where you can take seven percent out of a balanced portfolio and still have a portfolio of the size still, but you what started I'm, with. yeah but what I'm saying yeah. is is that greater than the size you, you can't even with. get a fixed income investment that we would consider investing in that's investment grade that even reaches what we believe is is at least the minimum true rate of inflation. 
No, and, and, and again, everyone's inflationary rate is different. But if you're going into retirement anticipating that your inflationary rate's going down, not with medical care costs. No, not with medical care costs. I don't think medical co- Medicare costs are growing at at three percent or less a year. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, in, I think it goes college tuition, medical costs, and those are and the, probably and that, high single digit rates of inflation. For for tuition, it's actually I've seen I've seen statistics it's double digits, with 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 college costs. So, you know the, the the bottom the bottom line is is that you have to prepare, you have to plan. As I've always tried to educate on this program, that if if you're listening to this show and you're six months, twelve months out from retiring. This is when you need to start getting on the horse and start interviewing investment professionals that you might be interested in working with, finding out what they have to offer, seeing how they work with their clients, find out if they're taking discretionary control and are acting as a fiduciary, as a registered investment advisor does like we do here at Davidson Capital Management, or are they only going to sell you investment products and do what's suitable for you, which does not which does not mean putting your interests in front of their own or the firm that employs them, you need to start doing that work in advance. Do not get caught behind the eight ball. I don't know how many times I've talked about it on this show, but since we're talking about retirement planning, I always want to bring this up. You know, I've met with some folks that get caught behind the eight ball and they're scrambling to try to figure out who they're going to work with they wind up making a very hasty decision because they sat in one sales presentation said wow that sounds good they threw around the word guaranteed a lot and guaranteed this rate of return and guaranteed that and all these guarantees well i'm just going to sign on the dotted line and then they're toast their portfolio is toast and they're locked into something they've lost their flexibility they lost their flexibility and the bill of goods that was sold to them was completely false smoke and mirrors and then they wind up regretting that and then a lot of times we wind up working with these people where we're having to unwind these hasty decisions that they made and sometimes can cost them quite significantly and it can't be done overnight exactly and it can't be done overnight so you know again you have to plan you have to prepare do not get sucked in to these myths and if there's anything that we can do for you at Davidson Capital Management, you want to talk about your your financial situation, give us a call, 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my father, John, and my brother, Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend. And to your financial health, we will talk to you next week.